Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. So as I was listening to that song, I was thinking, well, I'm going to read the scripture and say, you all have a great day. Thank you, Robert. That was beautiful. Will you please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24? But before we read, there's something else I want to read for you to consider. Have this on your mind before I read the scripture. If any of you know any names associated with classical music, you probably have heard the name Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell is one of the best violinists in the world. The New York Times said of Joshua Bell that he stands in no one's shadow when it comes to playing the violin. And a few years ago, in 2007, he was in an experiment that was the idea of the Washington Post newspaper. The idea the newspaper had was that they would get Joshua Bell to set up at a metro station, a subway station in Washington, D.C. And they got him to set up, and he started at about 7.45 in the morning, so he was bumping into Washington, D.C. rush hour traffic. They chose the subway station that is the prime one for federal workers. And so, of course, in D.C., there was a huge, huge presence. Just a lot of people coming in and out of that spot. And the interesting thing that they did was that they asked him just to wear a baseball hat, a long sleeve t-shirt, and blue jeans. He pulled out his violin and he kind of put a case, put the case out in front, threw a couple of dollar bills in it and some change. And he pulled out his Gibson EX Huberman, which was handcrafted in 1713 by Antonio Stradivari, which was a $3.5 million violin, and he started playing it. He played for 43 minutes, and he played six classical pieces. And the fascinating thing about it, you can actually watch this on YouTube. I watched it this week. The amazing thing about it was no one paid any attention to him. No one recognized him. He played for 43 minutes. He played the best of the best. He played Bach and no one said or saw anything. One of the interesting things, if you watch the video, there was a booth set up nearby where he was playing where people could buy lottery tickets. And there was actually a line of people, many of whom had their backs to him for 30 or 40 minutes and they never recognized him. If that had been a fictional story, and it's not, it's true, but if it had been a fictional story, our English teachers would say that Joshua Bell was like a Christ figure, that he was exuding truth and beauty. He was exuding goodness, but no one saw him. No one recognized him. No one saw who he was because he didn't look like royalty. We're at the end of our time working, reading, studying the Gospel of Luke. I'm it. This is the last 
week we'll study Luke. And this scripture today is a very famous account. I believe this scripture brings it all home together. It's Luke chapter 24. We learn some very important things about scripture here. Jesus has been crucified, and this scene is set on the same day as the women's discovery of the empty tomb. In this important scripture here, Jesus appears to these two disciples on the road, and then he eats with them. But they don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't recognize him, even initially. And so this is somewhat mysterious to them. So let's read Luke 24, starting at verse 13. But before we do, let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, we give you thanks for your word. We confess that every word that proceeds from your mouth, we give thanks. And we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray that you would work through my words to drive the hope of this scripture into us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear these words. Beginning at verse 13. The title of it is titled, Encounter on the Emmaus Road. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to, them, they said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. 
Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this scripture, we learn that two disciples are walking, leaving Jerusalem to make the seven-mile jaunt to Emmaus. One of the disciples was named Cleopas. The other name is not given. Some commentators believe that it was Cleopas and his wife, but we don't know. And they're walking along. Jesus walks up to them. And whether he has a hood over his face or what, we don't know. But they don't recognize him. In the sentence it reads, they were prevented from seeing him. Their grammatical construction blocks the reason that they can't recognize Jesus. Were they so grieved by their experience and so sure Jesus was gone that they simply didn't expect him? Did Jesus look different after the resurrection? Was his face transformed? Was Jesus wearing a mask or a disguise? We just don't know. Luke does not tell us. The striking, ironic moment here, when Jesus asked these two disciples what they're discussing, they can't believe he doesn't know what's been going on. Who doesn't know what has been happening in Jerusalem these days? It was all over the news. It was a trending topic on Twitter, thousands of likes on Instagram, and you don't know what's happened to Jesus just in the last three days? Where have you been? We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Everyone knows. Jesus wanted to hear their story. What did they think? Their dashed dreams and hopes are voiced in verse 21. We thought he was the promised one. But he died, and now we don't know what to do. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Had hoped. Think about that. Had hoped. We invested our hopes in this Jesus, but he was not whom we had hoped he would be. In response, Jesus outlines for them the meaning and the significance of his own death starting from Moses and moving all the way through the prophets. It was necessary that Jesus would suffer, die, rise, and be lifted up to glory. The story takes one more twist. As they approach their destination, the two disciples notice that Jesus seems to be planning to keep walking. Where was he headed again? Luke doesn't say. They pressure Jesus to stay with them. Come on, it's getting late. Just stay with us. They offer hospitality to one whom they believe is a complete stranger. But they offer hospitality. They offer to be host to this traveling companion and a new friend. But as soon as the table is set, Jesus upends the expected social roles. He becomes the host. Now remember, 
They still don't know that they're dining with Jesus once again. They don't realize that their dashed hopes are restored in the resurrected body of this stranger. They don't realize that. But when Jesus does the most Jesus thing of all, everything changes. Doing the Jesus thing. What does that look like to you? I've heard more than once Thomas Snyder say, get ready, Shanna is about to get Jesus-y on us. I feel it coming. What does that look like? I was told a story a few days ago of a Jesus thing in Weber Falls. You see, the school there was completely flooded. You've seen the news. A friend of mine saw the news just the other day. And she said she watched it, and she just couldn't believe. And the, the reporter said that the school was going to have to start at least two weeks late from when it was supposed to because of all the, the flooding. And they were just trying to get it put back together, what had been destroyed. She said she don't know. She just got up the next morning, and she got in her car, and she drove to Weber, Weber Falls. She just knew she had to. She got there, and she met, as she walked in, saw the kindergarten school teacher and the superintendent's secretary ripping out sheetrock, molded, mildewed, and replacing it with new sheetrock in classrooms, trying to repair. She said she gave a donation right there on the spot, but she just knew there had to be more done seeing these teachers and, and, and secretaries working diligently in the heat, putting things back together for these children of Weber Falls. So she got on the phone. She said, I talked to a few people and I made a few phone calls. And the next day, a larger check in the amount of $5,000 was given to the school to help the teachers piece back the school. Yes, there is insurance, and yes, there is federal money to put the building back together, but the teachers, the teachers lost a great, great deal of stuff that they had bought, of personal things that they had put together for their classrooms. None of that was going to be replaced. The $5,000 will sure come in handy for the teachers who lost so much. When my friend made the phone call and told this kindergarten teacher about the donation, she could hardly talk. All she could do is cry and say thank you. That's all she could get out. Thank you. When my friend was telling me this story, I said, that's a Jesus thing. Right there, the Holy Spirit was there. And you were used right there in that moment. That's a Jesus sighting at work. A few phone calls, a few discussions later, and things are happening for the people that Jesus wants taken care of. Jesus sightings. I thought about this a lot this week. Wednesday afternoon, Pastor Matt stood in my doorway and said, Can you imagine if those two disciples had not paid attention to Jesus? If they just walked along on the road and paid him no attention? and continue to talk, or better yet, they didn't invite him for dinner. 
wow, what an opportunity would have been missed. He was a friendly stranger who was walking on a road and struck up a life-changing conversation with two disciples. A few years ago, I went on a mission trip to West Virginia. And uh, Barbie was with me on that mission trip. And we had five flats in one day. Five flats. I even have a t-shirt that shows a flat tire on it. I'll have to show it to you sometime. And the fifth flat, we drove into Memphis, the east side of Memphis, and it was almost dusk. And I said, we've got to get this. I said, we're out of spare tires. We've got to get tires, and we've got to find it quick, and it's getting dark. Tire shops are going to shut down. And we pulled into this uh, tire shop, and there was four or five men standing out there. And there was kids and men and women walking up and down the streets. And there was a, uh, a woman dressed in white sitting in a chair at the edge of the building. And the other van of kids went on down the road and parked at Walgreens, but I stopped there and I said, we got to get this flat. Can you do anything? He said, yeah, I can do something. I said, I need to buy as many tires as you have. I'll put them in the trailer because at this rate, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to West Virginia. He said, yes. He said, I can sell you a couple of spare tires. And so the other van of kids, the driver, I think it may have been Duffy, drove them back to me, and so we're both parked there. It's getting darker and darker. They were changing the tire and getting the other tire on, and I was trying to buy a couple of spare tires, and the woman dressed in white walked up to the window, and I was counting my money out, and she said, honey, this isn't safe. These two vanfuls of kids need to be out of here in the next 10 minutes and on the road. And I said, oh, okay. I said, I said we're, we're from Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and we're going to... And she raised her hands and she said, God bless you and your vans and your children and your followers, but please pay the money and get on down the road now. So I paid the man the money, loaded the two tires, we were gone in five minutes. But as I paid the man the money, I turned around to thank the woman. She was nowhere to be seen. Barbara, you saw her, didn't you? But no one else did. Nowhere to be seen. That's a Jesus sighting. What do we miss on the road of life? How many Jesus sightings daily do we overlook? from being in church today, to going out to lunch, to going about our daily task at work and home, to even serving at the Wesley Foundation or across the street at Feed My Sheep. Daily, Jesus is at work. Jesus' things are happening. I wonder what we think is the most characteristic activity of Jesus. When we imagine Jesus, what is he doing? What's he doing? What's your Jesus doing when you imagine Jesus? For many, he is on the cross. For many, he may be preaching to a crowd. For many, he may be healing the sick with the touch of his hands. For many, he may be enthroned at the right hand of God. For the Gospel of Luke, however, Jesus is most Jesus at the table. At an ordinary meal filled with significance because of the people gathered around the food. 
Jesus is there at the table, but so also are the sinners and the tax collectors, the thieves, the liars, the cheats, the gossipers. They're all there at that table sitting with him, sharing the meal with Jesus. But not only that, also at this table are the many powerful people with whom Jesus also dines with. Jesus gets it. One of the most characteristic activities of Jesus' ministry in Luke is eating. He is accused early in the gospel of being a glutton and a drunkard. Chapter 7, verse 34. Worse, he eats with all the wrong people. So it's informative and instructive that it's not his teaching that opened their eyes. It's not his presence. It's his sharing of bread with his friends. It's his blessing of food. In this sharing of bread at an ordinary table, we catch a glimpse of Jesus' transformative kingdom, the kingdom that I want to be a part of. In Luke, eating is a radical act because it breaks down cultural boundaries. In Luke, the resurrected Jesus shares the bread once again with his followers. And in feeding them, Jesus opens their eyes helping them see that Jesus was with them the whole time. Jesus is with us the whole time. The whole time. Claim it, know it, and I pray for myself, as well as for you, that we start noticing our Jesus sightings, our Jesus things that are all around us. I love that song. I will be your Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First Year Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd love to join us in person, we worship at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And you can find out more information about us by going online at tahlequahumc.org.